I want to welcome all of our campuses to the third week of our series entitled If Only. And I particularly want to welcome this week as well, Calvary Chapel of Bay St. Louis. You guys have been journeying with us in this series, as well as the men and women at the Orleans Justice Center and the St. Tammany Parish Jail. Come on, can we just welcome all of our campuses, Baton Rouge, Gulf Coast, those in Metairie, man, so excited to have you guys. We are in week three of a series called If Only. We're talking about how to get past our past. And we're also talking about how to live intentional lives so when we get to the end of our lives, we listen. We don't have regrets. Now, I am so excited about today. Let me tell you why I'm excited. Today, we're talking about the power of influence. And this is a six-week series. And I remember last year as we were putting this together, I thought to myself, you know, if there's anybody... If there's anybody in, in my realm that I know, if there's anybody in the body of Christ, if there's anybody in culture that knows something about the power of influence, it's a mentor of mine, John Maxwell. I remember calling his assistant, and they, they happened to be able to have this date. We, it took us a year uh, to be able to get him. We are so excited that we've got Dr. John Maxwell with us. Let me just tell you a little bit about him. He was a pastor. For those of you that may not know, he was a pastor for 25 years uh, he's also a New York Times best-selling author. He's written 82 books. <sighs> what have you done lately? Come on, you know. Hey, look, hey, hey, 30, listen. Hey, it's funny, last night, and he, he, so, it's, he sold 34 million books. Last night I was so nervous and excited. I mean, this is John Maxwell. I said, he's written 34 million books. John said, Steve, if I'd written 34 million books, I'd be real old, real old. 82 books, but he's sold 34 million. He's been a mentor to me, a deep friend. He's poured so much into my life and so many others. I have the privilege of being on his board of, of admissions organization that he has called Equip. He'll tell you a little bit about that. But John, we are so honored to have you here. 18 years ago, you came. We're so excited. Listen, can we just stand up, give a warm, come on, South Louisiana, South Mississippi, welcome. Come on. Let's give it up for Dr. John Maxwell. Love you. Thank, you. Thank you very much. Wow, that was a great reception. I, you'd think I won a national championship. Or, huh? Woo. Go Tigers, huh? Wasn't that fun this year? Oh, my goodness. I, such a great team. Good morning. Delighted, delighted to be with you. Uh, thanks so much. You have been so receptive. Worship was phenomenal. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. That... Do, you have, uh, do you have worship like that every weekend? Yes. Yeah, well, when you, when you go to heaven, you're, you're not, you're not going to want to come home on the weekend, are you, huh? No, it's it, beautiful worship. And Steve, uh, it's so great to be with you and Jennifer. My goodness, you... Aren't they, are they not just great kids, huh? I mean, they're just, they're just, they're just, I, I, um, I'm just so proud of them. And, and, and Steve, your leadership has just developed. I mean, the last time I was here was 18 years ago, and you were in that little building over there. I mean, none of this, none of this. And, and look where God has brought you as a congregation. Look where God has brought you because uh, of your vision. And it's just, it's exciting. I know you know this, but in case you don't know this, with Steve, you have one of the top pastor leaders in America right here in your church. You know that, huh? Absolutely. If you were in the church national championship, oh yeah, yeah, you, you follow me, you, you just would probably, you know, you would win, you would win. And so it's, it's so exciting to be here and and again, 18 years ago, I was here, and, and somebody asked me, they, I, I've signed books. By the way, I'll sign books afterwards. So some of you brought, you know, some of you brought uh, one of my books. If you did, just meet me out there, and I'll sign it. And, and then for you that, you know, didn't think ahead, uh, <laughs> obviously there are books out there for you to purchase, and, and I'll, 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 I'll be glad to sign it. But somebody said, wow. 18 years, and I said, yeah, I said, that's, that's the last time Steve asked me to come here. And 
So, so, and then finally, I finally got here. I finally got here, and I'm very excited, and I'm going to give you my best shot because I'm, I may not be invited to come back <laughs> for 18 years. I mean, I'm 72. The next time you may see me, I may be 90. You'll understand. I, they may be wheeling me out in a wheelchair or something like that. But I'm delighted to be here, and I want to thank you as a congregation. You're not only making a difference in this whole part of Louisiana, you're making a difference around the world because we have the largest leadership training organization in the world. We've trained 5 million leaders in every country of the world. And you are part of the reason because you financially come alongside and partner with us big time. And it makes all the difference in the world. And I'm very grateful for that. And we not only teach leaders, but we also share our faith because most of our teaching is in the business and secular uh, area of, of the world. And so we are looking for ways to share our faith with them. And, and we are always doing that. And last year, we were privileged to lead over 92,000 people to Christ. And, 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 and it's, 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 it's part of you. you. You're part of that legacy. So thank you from the very bottom of my heart for having me here. Thank you for helping us. And I'm so excited because uh, I get to share with you what's very important to me, and that is how to effectively, with other people, share your faith. Because there, can there be anything more important than, um, than helping somebody, a friend of yours, a family member of yours, somebody that works with you, helping them really know Christ and, 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 and become a, a Christian? I mean, is there anything better that you could do than, than that? And, and, and to be able to, to go before the Lord and just... Uh, present to him these people that you've influenced into the kingdom. I mean, the, I mean, this is what Jesus died for. And for us to be able to do that, it's going to be absolutely huge in our life. So I want to talk to you about how to share. How many of you have someone, family member, friend, uh, business person, I don't know, but you have somebody that doesn't have a relationship with God, but you really value them. You just really, really love this person, but they just have never had yet a relationship with God. Would you raise your hand? We're all there, aren't we, huh? Okay, well, I'd like you to do me a favor if you would now. I want you on the piece of paper, you're about to take notes. I want you to write their name down. Would you do that for me? Just put, the, put, your, put their name down. Because everything that I'm going to share with you now I want you to think in light of that person, of that individual. So everything I'm giving you, you're, you're listening and you're learning and you're applying and you're doing that to help that person that you just wrote their name down to come to the realization of the love of Jesus Christ. And I, I would also encourage you, we're starting the new year, 2020. Let, let's, let's just not only put their name there and learn how to do this, but let's just kind of believe God that in 2020, they will come to that relationship. And, 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 that, and that he, God, will use you to be the reason. This, now, you talk about being a gift to somebody. This is an absolute huge gift. And the Apostle Paul was so passionate to reach people for Christ that he's our role model, okay? We can look at Paul and we can just, we can from him learn how to share our faith. So let's go. Uh, the passage of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 9, is in front of you. Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. And then he begins to give us the, this wide range, religious, non-religious, meticulous, moralist, loose-living, immoralist, the defeated, the demoralized, and finally, Paul just says, whoever, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and I tried to experience things from their point of view. And I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. And I did all of this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Now, Paul talks about his passion for Christ and his passion to reach people for Christ. And he says six things that happens when you have this, what I call Paul-sized passion. And, and we're going to look at those six things. And, and, and at the end of each one of them, we're going to ask ourselves a question. Do I possess that in my life? Because you cannot give what you do not have. And so this is more than just learning something mentally 
And this is more than writing something down on notes. We've got to ask ourselves, is this in my heart? So let's, let's look at the six things. Number one, Paul said, because he had a passion to reach others for Christ, the first thing that this passion did for him is it changed him. It changed him. He says that at the beginning of this passage, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all. In other words, Paul said, I'm going to do everything I can to reach people for Christ. And so he said, how do I do that? What's the best way for them to do that? And Paul decided the best way for him to do that is to become a servant of others. In other words, I'm going to serve you. Uh, another way to put that perhaps in our culture is I'm going to add value to you. In, in my book, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, it's the law of addition. I put the law of addition. I even put the law of servanthood because in the business community, they, they'll relate much more to addition than they will to servanthood. But it's, it's really the same thing. Paul said, I'm going to know you well, and I'm going to ask, how can I serve you? What, how, can I, how can I help you? What can I do to, to, uh, to bless you? One of my wonderful friends, Tom Mullins, is here with me today. And, and Tom and I have had a long-time relationship for many, many, many years. And, and one of the things Tom is, is he's a terrific servant. He, and, and when I'm with him, he's always, well, John, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? What, how can I add value to you? And, and I love to serve him. And, you know, how can I serve you, Tom? And we kind of we go at it each other trying to outserve each other. It's kind of like, well, I'm going to add value to you first, and, and you can't add value to me yet because I haven't added value to you yet, and so you just hold there until I add value to you, and then if you want to later on, you can add value to me, but right now I'm going to add value to you, and so we fight over adding value to each other, like a couple junior high kids. But the whole purpose of it, he, Paul, Paul understood, and he said, the moment that you add value to people, you, you increase your influence with people. Now, this is so true. Because people all the time, I, I teach leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And people say, well, John, how do I increase my influence with people? It's very simple. Intentionally add value to them. Because when people intentionally add value to you, they become very meaningful to you. Because every one of us, we are either a plus in people's life or a minus in people's life. Is this not true? We're either adding value or we're subtracting value. And if somebody adds value to you, when they walk into the room, it just lifts you, doesn't it? I mean, when you, aren't there some people, just when you see them, you just break out and smile and say, oh, my goodness, thank God they're here. Why? Because they're going to add value to you. Are you with me? And there are some people, come on now, <laughs> talk to me a little. There, there are a few people, they're not adding value, they're subtracting value. And you see them come in your room and you go, oh my. Oh my. Ooh, they saw me. Oh, they not only saw me, they're coming to me. And the closer they come, the more you can feel life being sucked right out of your body. By the time they're there, you know, you're, you're, they're coming. You say, oh, Lord Jesus. You know, help them, help them, help them. Uh, help me, help me, help me. Help all of us, help them, you know. Oh, Jesus. Come quickly, come quickly. Yeah. Take me, take me, take me, Lord Jesus. Oh, no, take them, take them. Take, you know, take them. How many of you know at least one person in your life? Come on, talk to me. At least one person. They just kind of, they just kind of pull out life. Are you, are you with me? Of course you're with me. <laughs> now it's just us, you and me. My name's John, I'm your friend. Let me just ask you another question. How many of you are sitting beside that person right now? <laughs> the two of you that raised your hands, you got real issues. <laughs> I, I'm here to tell you this is, got, this is not going to be a good day for you. Oh, yeah. We all, we, I mean, how many, how, oh, come on. Let's just uh, take one more moment with me. One more moment. How many of you have ever been in the grocery store and you're pushing the cart and you looked over about two, hour, two aisles and you saw somebody you didn't want to see? <laughs> like that bottle of water I had in that last trip. <laughs> 
I'm sorry. <laughs> Somebody told me one time, they said, John, I can't, I can't believe what you say. I said, oh, you'd be much more amazed if you knew what I didn't say. <laughs> Just trust me on this. So you're pushing the cart and you look two aisles over. How many? And you see somebody that you don't want to see. And, and the good news is you saw them, but they didn't see you. <laughs> How many of you ever done this before? How many of come on? How many of you ever hid from somebody? Talk to me. Of course you have. Of course. How many of you are hiding from somebody right now? <laughs> now, what am I saying? The person that I'm describing subtracts, and you're 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 attracted to people that add. And, and Paul said, if I'm going to win people to Christ, I have got to go into these lost people's lives, and I've got to add value to them. I've got to love them unconditionally, and I've got to serve them, and I've got to find out how I can best add value to them, and I've got to intentionally put their needs before mine. I was in Dayton, Ohio as a 27-year-old kid when Zig Ziglar the first time walked out on stage, and I heard him for the first time. We became great friends later on in life, and he said to the business community, if you'll help people get what they want, they'll help you get everything that you want in your life. And I wrote that down, and I thought, this makes such sense. Well, this is what Paul said. Paul said, if I want to win people to Christ, if I really want the opportunity of having great relationships with lost people to help them find God, then I need to be intentionally add value to it. And, and it changed him because our typical nature is to be selfish. I, instead of me adding value to you, my typical nature is to say, what are you going to add value to me? What are you going to do for me? More selfish. Okay. Yeah, we're selfish. Had a guy tell me, I don't think I'm selfish. I thought outside of being delusional, what other issues do you have? <laughs> of course you're selfish. I'm selfish. If you don't think you're selfish, the next time you're with a group of friends and you're in a group picture with them, and, and, and you know, they show you the picture, let me ask you a question. When you see that picture of you and all of your friends in there, who is the first person you look for in that picture? <laughs> huh, come on, talk to me. And, 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 if you, and, and you look and you find yourself and you look good. You, what do you say? Great picture. <laughs> oh, I love this picture. Send that to me. Send. Oh, I want that picture. Yes, send it. And, and you look all of your friends. You, when you see yourself, if you didn't look good, what do you say? Oh, terrible picture. T right, do it again. Do it again. Do it. Come on. Come on. Come on. Do it again. Everything is judged on how you look. Why? Because that's, that's our nature. So Paul said, if you want to win people to Christ, you have to get over yourself. And, and let me tell you something. That's hard for Christians. Church people have a real hard time getting over themselves. They love their church and they love all the things. That, it's all ours. This is who we are. This is our culture. Mm. That, that person, when you wrote their name today, when you wrote their name down, if you're going to really influence them for God, you're going to have to serve them. You're going to have to add value to them. So, you know, as we go to point number two, you just ask yourself a question. It's very simple. Have I changed in my life and become a servant and a person that adds value to others? That, that's, that's the question. If, if I can say yes to that, I'm well on my way of influencing people for God. Number two, it, it includes everyone. It includes everyone. Paul's passion for Christ says, you know, he said, I, I voluntarily become a servant to all. And, to, all these, and, and he said, I want to reach a wide range of people. He didn't want to, just to be a few people. He wanted to reach everybody. And so he, he names them, you know, we did this earlier, religious, non-religious, you know, the whole deal. And he closes off with whoever, whoever. In other words, anyone that I can influence for Christ, that's what I want to do. He, he had service with a purpose. And, and, and he, didn't, he didn't exclude it just to his people or to the people that he knew or the people that he loved or that person whose name you put on that paper a little bit earlier. He, he said, I, I want to see everybody. And, it, and if, we're, if, we want to, if we want to include everybody, we have to value everybody. 
The first step of adding value to people is valuing people. If, if you don't value people, there's no way that you will serve them and add value to them. So it begins with me valuing you. And, and the example, of course, of that is God. And, and, of course, Jesus was our pattern when he was on earth. If you go through the Gospels, the one thing you'll come out with the Gospels with Jesus' life is how, how incredibly how he valued people. How he, he just loved people, period. He loved people that were unlovely. I mean, he, he just loved people. He just, he, in fact, when he wanted to give the picture of God, he said, let me give you the true accurate picture of God and he told the story of the prodigal son he said I'm going to talk to you about a God who never gives up on people and who always believes in people and and, and unconditionally loves those people and and is always ready to open and welcome them and has this incredible heart to say yes come in and by the way when the son came home just think about it for when the son came home you, you could tell the father wasn't one of these just church people. I mean, if, if, if the father would have been a real, real, like I'm a real church person. Can I tell you, he had the first thing he'd ask the son is, is where you been? Where you, and, and what did you do? And, and where's your money? And how come you lost it? He had had a whole list of, let, let me tell you something. Lost people don't want those questions asked. They've already screwed their life up. They don't need you to come and tell them how bad they are. My name's John. I'm your friend. <laughs> they need you and me to come into their life and unconditionally love them and open our arms and welcome them. Let's have a party and go get the ring and go kill the calf and go get the robe. You see, the older brother, he was like the religious person. He just couldn't get over the fact the father was so excited about a prodigal son when he'd been there serving faithfully and dutifully all of his life. Oh, listen to me, my precious, precious friend. You just have to value people. And and value people that don't have your values and don't have my values. You You just value people because you can tell when a person values you and you can tell when a person doesn't. So it's wonderful because God gives us the model. Jesus is the model, but he gives us this great, God loves us. God values you. So, so look at your neighbor and tell them God values you. Go ahead and tell them that God values you. That's beautiful. Look right back at that person and say, by the way, God values me too. Mm-hmm. Yes, he does. Hey, hey, and God values people I don't know. Tell them that. Go ahead, tell them that. God values people I don't know. This is good. Look at your neighbor and say this. God values people I don't like. Yeah, he does. He really does. God's love is amazing, isn't it? And and, and, and Paul said, "Let, let me just tell you something. My my list has got, every, I've got everybody on my list. I, I've got everybody on my list. And, and the third thing, so you got to ask yourself, do I value people? That, that's a great question to ask yourself. Number three, Paul said, because of my passion of Christ, it helped me to establish my identity in Christ. In other words, there's something incredible about sharing your faith that really helps you to identify with your faith. There's something that just happens when you cross over that just allows you to begin to understand that it's your faith in Christ that makes you unique and makes you beautiful and makes you appealing. And so you don't hide it under a bushel. You begin to realize it's, there's this difference that I have in my life that is attractive to people because they don't have it in their life. What did Paul say? He said, I don't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ. And here's what I want you to know. I don't have to be like lost people to reach them, but I have to like lost people. I got to like them. I've got to like lost people. And it's so exciting once that you begin to see them and and you just understand that, that, you know, they're lost, but they don't want to be lost. They, they don't have a relationship with God, but they want a relationship with God. I happen to believe, okay, I happen to believe that everybody wants to know God. 
I, I believe they all want to know God. They just haven't had a good picture of him yet. And in a few minutes, I'm going to give you a beautiful picture of God because there are many of you in this auditorium and you don't have a personal relationship with God, but it's not because you don't want to. Of course you want to. I mean, think about it, folks. Honest to God, this isn't even a faith issue. This is an IQ issue. You want to go to heaven? Do you want to have your sins forgiven? Would you like to have the freedom that faith gives you? I mean, I, I can give you a list of 50 things that, that just knowing God, is it's kind of like a plus. Oh, yeah, I'd like that. Well, of course I would like that. Of course I would like that. And, and the Apostle Paul said, what makes me attractive to the world is the fact that I'm in the world, but I'm not like them. But I like them. It, it, you got it. Do you see the difference? I'm not like them, but I like them. You see, most of us think if we're not like them, we shouldn't like them. I hope you have a whole bunch of lost friends. I mean, a whole bunch. I, I, the one thing I encourage all Christians to do is go make more friends out of people that don't know God. Because when, when we get to go to heaven, guess what? We're going to be with Christians all the time. That should scare some of us. <laughs> it gets me a little bit. It really does. I, I go, whoops, whoops. I mean, all the time, just Christians? But while we're here, we have this incredible privilege. And I was, I was telling Pastor Steve right before we went, I said, isn't it great? I just, in a moment, I get to go up and I get to share pe with people how to share their faith. I mean, is there, I mean, hello, is there anything better than this? So now what, what, what happened? Number four, Paul and his passion for God and for faith, it challenged him to enter their world and to get out of his comfort zone. And that's what he said. I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I, 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 he said, why did I enter their world? Because if I'm going to reach them, I have to understand them. And if I understand them, I have to spend time with them. And so he said, I'm going to try to experience things from their point of view. And, and, and you know what? It's just wonderful when we think of churches like this. I'm just so excited about what you're doing here at Church of the King. And, and, and you're so appealing and come and see us. And, and I love this, you know, come, you know. But let me tell you, there, there's two ways to win people to Christ. Come and see us and come and find us and learn about us. And then the other one is let, let, we got to go and share. Because there are a whole bunch of people that are never going to come to Christ the King, no matter how wonderful Pastor Steve is, and no matter how wonderful your facilities are, and no matter how wonderful you are, there's a bunch of people that are never going to come here. So what are we going to do with those people? It's a flawed strategy not to include them. Because Jesus died for all of us. And it all begins, it all begins when we begin to lose Lose our comfort zone and leave it and, and begin to say, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to connect with people. I'm going to, I'm going to meet them where they are. And I'm going, to, I'm, going to love them. I'm going to love them where they are. Period. I stop here for a moment to say to you, you're pretty amazing. Well, what I mean by pretty amazing is as I'm teaching this to you, you are, you're writing notes and you're leaning in. But I'll tell you what makes you really pretty amazing. I can tell it's connecting with you. Let, let me explain to you this way. My name's John. I'm your friend. <laughs> you're the only hope of some people ever finding God. You're, you're, you're the only hope. If you're removed from the equation... They're lost forever. You're the only hope. I, I, no, no, no. I didn't, say, I didn't say Church of the King is the only hope. Because Church of the King, no matter how incredible it is, is not going to reach everybody in this community for God. The only God many people will ever see is you. 
You're the only hope. And this is just, this excites me to be, to no end because what that means is as I'm teaching today and you're taking these notes and you're, and you're catching the spirit of, of how to connect with people that are lost and how to love them and value them, what, what it tells me is that in 2020, there literally will be people in this community that will find God, not because of the Church of the King, but because of you, but because of you. This begins to be absolutely huge. I'm going, to, I'm going to come back to that point. Just hold it. You're the only hope. I'm going to come back to it in a moment. I'm going to come back to it in a moment. Number five, Paul, Paul and his passion for others, because he was passionate, it helped him to become very creative. He said, okay, I want to win you to Christ so bad, I'm going to become creative in ways to connect with you so that I have the opportunity to share faith with you. He said, I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempt to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. It's almost like Paul was running around and he was asking the question, how can I serve you so God can save you? Isn't that beautiful? What, what can I do to add value to you? How, how, what can I, how can I serve you that God, because I want God to save you? And, and, and he, was, he was just going to be, he's just going to be so creative. And, and again, I tell you, my friends, I'm so excited for you to hear this lesson because your life will take a different dimension when you purposely, intentionally try and begin to share faith with people. You know, the Bible says the person that wins souls is wise. Before I was uh, 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 intentional in winning people to Christ, I thought that really meant that wise people win souls. But it doesn't say that at all. It says, if you win souls, you're wise. In other words, there's something about when you share your faith and when you enter their world as Paul did so that you can experience things from their points of view, there's something about the, the wisdom that you get because you now are out there in a world that you don't know, a world that you're uncomfortable, but, but there's a wisdom that begins to become in part of your life. And I can tell you it's exactly true because I have shared my faith, not in the pulpit, I'm not talking about here. I've shared my faith with people tens of thousands of times, not just thousands. And, and I can promise you in the beginning when somebody would ask me a question, I wouldn't sometimes know the answer. I said, I don't know, but I'll come back. Let me look it up. I'll come back and share it with you. And I go look it up and I go look it up. And over a process of doing that hundreds of times, after a while, anyone, any question anybody asked me, I'd already been asked that question and I'd already found that answer. And all of a sudden I'd give them an answer and they'd just think, oh my gosh, you're smart. No, no. I've just done it a lot of times. I've done it a lot of times until, yeah, I can answer your question. And it becomes absolutely amazing. And then he, then he taught me how to be wise and how to be creative. And I, I mean, I, I could do a whole seminar on creative ways to share your faith. I mean, when I'm out, for example, there's, a, there's an incredible, very highly successful lady in New York City that's just probably... Yeah, they're one of the top three marketing people in the world. And, and, and um, she's just a, a, an amazing person, a, a terrific person, very gifted, doesn't know God. And so I was out to dinner with her and a few of the friends. And, 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 and so, I, you know, I'm always asking questions. I said, okay, I said, for our dinner discussion, here's the question I'd like us to talk about. What is the one question you wish people would ask you so that you could share something you knew that would help them. Oh, isn't that good? I'm so sorry, but it's just stinking good. And I've got, I've got a whole bunch of those kind of questions because I live in this world all the time. Now, why did I ask that question? Because eventually I would get to share what the question I wish that people would ask me. You know, I always go last. It's okay, unless Jesus comes, it works. <laughs> so they finally came to me. They said, well, you know, the one question I, I, I wish people would ask is, I wish people would ask me about my faith. Because my relationship with God has changed everything in my life. She was sitting right to my left. And she said, oh, my, I need to know about that. You mean it's changed your life that much? Oh, yeah. 
has changed my life that much? Well, she said, next time in your New York, would you come and let's, let's talk about that? I said, sure would. Within six months, I'm in her office overlooking Central Park, several thousand square feet of office space. We go over to the side room and she says, do you remember that dinner conversation? Well, of course I did. I set it up. <laughs> You're not the only one in marketing, lady. I'm into marketing too. I'm into Jesus marketing. Uh, how are we doing? You say, John, you're just clever and creative. No, I'm not. I'm just a soul winner. I got that way by sharing my faith all the time. I wasn't born with these answers. I wasn't born brilliant. But I got wisdom. And so can you. This is so exciting. The last point is, is that Paul's passion for, for Christ allowed him to love the message. It allowed him to, to live out this incredible, incredible message. Uh, many years ago, I, I learned this little poem. When you enter that beautiful city and the saved all around you appear, what joy when someone will say to you, it was you who invited me here. Wow. You see, when I go to heaven, obviously right at the top of the list is always Jesus, isn't it? But I got something right below that. I want to be able to stand in front of Jesus and bring the people I've influenced into heaven around to say, and this is, this is my gift to you. This is my gift to you. I've, a couple of years ago, I was invited to the Vatican to, to spend a little time and meet Pope Francis. And, and he was named after Francis Assisi. And so I wanted to be unforgettable. I, I, mean, I mean, that day there were going to be 10 of us meeting. Okay. Well, I mean, 10's a crowd. So I, what do I do? And his name was taken after Francis Assisi. So up in New York City, there's a a bookstore that I go to every time I'm in New York City. It's just a phenomenal place, and it's got all the great books. It's just, it's, yeah, it's just a great place. And so I went up there, and I, I found, they, 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 they are in rare books, and, and I found a, a book of, of St. Francis Assisi wood carvings of his life, an antique book. It was, it was about 300 years old and very precious, and I bought it. And, I wrapped it up and we went there and I gave it to him and, and he opened it up and he looked at it and he put it to, gave it to one of his assistants and just gave me the biggest hug. He said, this means everything to me. Well, of course it does. You see, I was going to see the Pope and I just wanted to have something worthy to give him. Are you with me? Just wanted to give him something that, you know, I mean, I wanted to just put the value on him. Well, that, that was to meet Pope Francis. In fact, I'm going to be able to go back in April. And he's invited me to do a master class on leadership with him. But, but let me tell you something. There's a day I'm going to stand before someone much bigger than the Pope. In fact, I'm going to stand before the one who gave his life for all the popes and for all of us. And I just, I want to have an appropriate gift to give to him. Are you, are you with me? I just, I mean, I just want to walk in and say, boy, Jesus, thank you. I'm, I'm in heaven because of you. Well, of course I'm in heaven because of you. But I think he's a little bit more worthy of something a little bit better. And I want to. I want, to, I want to take a lot of people with me and say, you know, these are some of the people I've influenced to come here to spend eternity with you. Now, there's just beautiful people. Could I have four more minutes? 
Is it okay? I, I don't know when Steve preaches if he ever asks for four more minutes. Or <laughs> probably he doesn't. He probably gets his done on time. But I have to have four minutes because I may not be back here for 18 years. <laughs> you know, so, so it's kind of like if I don't get four minutes, I'll be 90. When people don't have a relationship with God, if you don't have a relationship with God now in your life, I know why. It's okay. It's okay. If you don't have a relationship with God in your life, it's because you have a wrong picture of God. And you see, a wrong picture always messes us up. You miss a lot of things if you don't have the wrong picture. When I come into airports, sometimes people don't know who I am, so they'll send somebody to pick me up, you know, limo driver. So he'll be a bag, baggage claiming to have my name and you know on the end of his hand up in the air, you know, and expects me to get off the plane, go through security, go to baggage claim, look at an arm in the air, chase that arm to the top, read my name, and then I say, "Hey, I'm John Maxwell." And as soon as I do that, they look at me and they say this thing every time. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. As soon as I say, "Hi, I'm John Maxwell," they look and say, "Oh, I found you." You didn't find me. I found you. You said, I could have walked right by you. You would have never known. You didn't find me. You didn't find me. I found you. You see, there are a lot of people, they're real close to God. But because they don't have a picture of who he is correctly, they miss him. Let me give you three of those wrong pictures. One Picture a, a wall, a big wall. It's, it's foreboding, it's high, it's long, it's thick. A lot of people, when they think of God, have a, their picture of God is that there's this wall between them and God. They believe there's a God, but they don't believe they could ever know him personally. And he's on, he's on the inside where all the good stuff happens. And they're on the outside of the wall. And, and, and he's there, but they're never going to, they, he's never going to see them, and they're never going to see him. So they believe that there's a God, but they don't believe that they'll ever have a personal relationship with God. Wrong picture. Wrong picture. In fact, the picture of God is that through his son, Jesus Christ, Jesus jumped over the wall to have a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with you more than you want a relationship with him. Wrong picture number two is a stairway to heaven. It's, a, it's the stairway of, of good works. It's, it's the fact that if I want to know God, I've got to somehow take a step at a time and do a good work and another good work and, you know, be a good neighbor and be a good dad you know, you know, treat people well and do the golden rule. And I just keep climbing this step of good work saying, you know, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. But boy, I think, oh, maybe I'll get there. I, I think I'm getting closer. I think I'm getting closer. Wrong picture of God. You and I can't work for our relationship with God at all. There's nothing you can do. But let me just, my name is John. I'm your friend. You're not that good. Okay. We're all, hope, we're all hopelessly Lost people, hopelessly lost. The only way that we can be forgiven is through Jesus and the cross. Remember, Jesus talked to the Father about this. He said, if, it's pos if there's another way for mankind to be saved, let this cup pass from me. There's no other way. The only way is through him. It's not what we do. It's what he's done. The wrong picture, number three, is a, just think of a garbage pail or a dump. There's just a bunch of garbage in when they, people see God, a lot of times they see the garbage in their life, the junk in their life, and they just say, there's nothing attractive about me. Why, why would God want to come and have a relationship with me? I got all this junk in my life. And, and so they disqualify themselves. Or they're like the prodigal who when he went home, when the prodigal went home, he didn't come home to be a son. He came home to be a servant. Listen, when you and I have stuff in our life, we dumb ourselves down in light of God. He said, I'll come and I'll get a bunkhouse in the, in the, in the barn and, and I'll be a servant. And I'm, no long, I'm not worthy to be called. Of course he's not worthy to be the son. And the father never entertained, never, it never entered the father's mind that he should be a servant. It was his son. And I run into people all the time. They say, well, you, John, you don't know what I've done. Of course I don't know what you've done. But let me tell you, you don't know what I've done either. But I'll tell you what we've all done. We've all screwed up. 
We've all messed up. We all fall way short of the glory of God. And I want you to know that's attractive to him. If you're sick, he's like a doctor. He wants to make you well. If you're lost, he's like the shepherd who goes out and keeps looking for the sheep until he finds. Listen, it is your stuff in your life that he died for. And he just, when he sees you and you got all kind of junk in your life, he can't help himself. He just comes close as quickly as he can because he loves you. And he wants to help you get rid of all that stuff. You know, the last picture is a picture of, of the right, this is the right picture, by the way, is a picture of a door. Okay, picture a door. And it's the door of your heart. And Jesus is on the outside and he's just gently knocking. And he's, and he's knocking because he wants to have a relationship with you so badly that he'll initiate that relationship with you. That's beautiful. God loves you so much. So much. So much. He loves you so much. Do, do you have any idea? Any idea? Just how much he loves you. You just say, but John, you don't know. Don't need to know. Don't even want to know. God knows. If you can get a glimpse this morning of Jesus knocking at your heart's door saying, could I come in? God wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to have a relationship with me. This is huge. You may have gone through a, just a terrible week. You may be totally frustrated and disgusted with yourself. But I can tell you someone that's not frustrated with you, and I can tell you somebody that's not disgusted. It's God. And while you're kicking yourself and trying to shake it off, he just stands at the door of your heart. <laughs> I love you. But just open the door. Just can you just crack open? Can you just crack the door open? Just Look through the crack. You'll see Jesus. Just waiting for you to say, Come in. Just wait. And the moment you say, Come in, it's exactly what he does. Just comes in. Everything's changed, and you're forgiven, and you're his child, and you have a relationship that will be ongoing, and heaven is your home, all the, all the good stuff. You're, you're just, you're just a turning the knob away. from all the good stuff. Bow your head and close your eyes, please. There are many, many people in this room. You and I are connecting right now. It's as if I'm talking only to you and there's no one else in the room. And what you sense is not me. What you sense is God. He's connecting with you right now because this is your moment to begin a relationship with him. This is your time. With heads bowed and eyes closed, how many of you would raise up your hand and say, okay, John, 
Okay. I want to have a relationship with God. And I see it's all I got to do is just open up my heart's door and ask him to come in. And I want him to come in. I want to, I want to be forgiven of my sins. And I want to have the peace that he gives. And I, all the things that come with God, I want that. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, how many of you right now, all over the auditorium, raise your hands up all over the auditorium right now. I want to know God, and I want to know him today. And you just raise your hands. That's it. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. Just raise them up high. I see you at the balcony everywhere. Yeah, that's it. Just raise them up high. Keep them up for a moment. Oh, there are, oh, my. There are 100 hands, 150 hands raised. Of course there are. You, you don't want to miss this moment. You don't want to miss this opportunity. You, you feel what I feel. You sense what I sense. Right now is the day. Right now is the time for you to begin this relationship with God. And this is huge. I'm waiting just for a moment. I, anyone else want to join us? We're going to pray in a moment. Just raise your hand up. Oh, my. Yeah, 100, 200, 200. Now, do you have your hands raised in the air? I'm standing up here. Would you just look at me for a moment? Just look at me. Just look at me. I am your friend. And we're going to pray together. The whole audience will pray with you. But this is just for you. And as we pray this prayer, I want you to open your heart and ask Christ to come in. And within the next 60 seconds, you're going to be part of the family of God. Are you ready to pray? Repeat after me. All of you aloud. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Only you can save me. It's only you knocking at my door. So I open my heart and I ask you to come in. As my Savior, as my friend, and from this moment on, I'm going to live for you, I'm going to serve you, and have a relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus.